head on over to patreon.com forward slash severe MMA podcast right now to support the podcast and sign up for our premium content and now here's the podcast the pride of limerick the young man named sean sheehan the mma media don graham mcdonald the severe MMA people that are coming to the local shows way before everyone else. To see them coming up and they're getting their shot. And I'm proud that people are coming up with me. Welcome, welcome everybody. It's episode 209 of the severe what? MMA podcast. Stuck to 209. <laughs> I'm joined today by the Arya Stark of Irish MMA media, Graham MacDonald. As we look back on what was a fairly busy week. In the world of mixed martial arts, Graham Hortings, how are you this fine Sunday morning here as I have about three hours sleep, I have a sore throat, I'm clogged up, I went to an all-you-can-eat yesterday and I'm like I'm hungover and dying, moaning, fuck. So how are you anyway? <laughs> I'm better than you by the same thing anyway. <laughs> you could be much worse. So that makes you feel even better, so. Yeah. You know when you're hungover, but there's somebody who's more hungover than you, it just makes you feel that little bit better about the whole situation. Yeah, or when you're out, in the, <laughs> you're out in the night out and thinking, fuck it here, I'm I'm twisted. And then you come up to some other fella and one of your friends and you falling around the place like, ah, not too yeah. bad, <laughs> I'll have to look after him. <laughs> sure, look, these things happen anyway. How would you feel about uh, Liverpool throwing away the, the Premier League? Is it... Is it is it good or is it bad? How's the feeling now today and as we were two matches out? I don't think you can throw away a, a title if you're on 90-odd points. Like, you know, uh, I think Ferguson's... Mm, well, for Man United, his biggest title... His biggest points t- uh, tally when he won the title was 91 points. And Liverpool are already on that with two mm. games to go. So I don't think... I don't uh, think it's really thrown it away. It's just Man City are just... I said it from the start of the season. They're just a squad. And they can... They, I was saying they can afford to have Kevin De Bruyne injured. Like, you know, and their squad is just that good. But uh, Liverpool, like... It's not over yet, you know, and anything can happen in football, but it's uh, time is running out mm-hmm. we'll, we'll very talk, rapidly. We'll obviously do another soccer podcast there during the week, possibly. Uh, I did one with Philip O'Connor the other day over on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash podcast if you want to listen to that. I think like three people actually unsubscribed <laughs> because I was abusing Liverpool so much, but it's not even a crack. Like, what are you unsubscribing for? It's not even a crack. And if you don't like soccer, you could just avoid it. We loads of uh, loads of MMA. But here, last thing on the soccer. Do you think, is there any hope for Liverpool? Do you think Man City will could drop a point anywhere along the way? Yeah, they could. Like anything can happen. Like you get somebody sent off early in a game for a penalty or something. You know, mm-hmm. they, anything can happen. Like your keeper gets sent off or something. Yeah. It's football, but it's looking extremely unlikely now. I, I even when you were talking about oh, seven points clear when when Man City had a game in in hand and we still had to play, we still had to play City. You know, it was well, you, you it were... was never it was never over. Like I said, like you know, there was a lot of games mm-hmm. to play and. Now there isn't a lot of games to play, but there's always there's always that chance. And Man City have looked quite nervous in in a few games as well. They've been quite lucky, like you know, there could have been a penalty given to them or against them in the Spurs game that wasn't given, and little things like that. You know, that could happen again, like where they if they go one 0 down, mm-hmm. some kind of like you know Townsend. I think earlier on the season just banged one in from like thirty yards. That can happen, like and then. It's, then it's it's squeaky bum time, as you say. Mm-hmm, yeah. They, so there's still uh, some hope until it's in, it's not over till it's over. Just a quick correction there. Liverpool are actually ten points ahead with a game in hand, not seven ahead with a game in hand. So yeah, that, I'd call that thrown away. So yeah, these things happen. Well, you still have to play City. You still have to play City though. So it was, you know, if if mm. we lost that, it was only down to mm-hmm, indeed. four then, was it? Uh, yeah, whatever it doesn't matter. Anyway, Jack Romanson versus Ronaldo Jacare Souza from you know me. As as a, a, a sports aficionado, as uh, an oracle, 
coming in here last week. We're doing this podcast. And what most people say, this is why you listen to Severe My Podcast. Everyone you got ear pressured by me into, into is, picking this is why, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, taking, I'm taking credit for it. <laughs> this is why everyone listens to Severe My Podcast. You listen to other podcasts and say, oh, this guy, Jack Romanson, we never even heard of him. You know, he's a couple of good wins, but he's not on the level of Jack And what does Sean Sheehan do? He comes in here, he picks Jack Romanson. And what does Jack Romanson do? My boy, Jack, hashtag Team Sheehan, he's on it. Fuck you all. He goes in, he absolutely decimates Jackaray over five rounds. What a what a performance! This was even better than than me. His biggest fan, his his biggest uh, his hype man, basically even expected. It was brilliant, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a great performance, and he actually nearly even like if against anybody that isn't Jackaray, probably would have had that guillotine in, in, and yeah. in, in anyone in the middleweight division. It looked looked tight. Jackaray stayed so calm and just knew exactly what to do. And uh, but when when Hermanson kind of, I think that gave him. He already had confidence in his game, but that must have given him even more confidence in his in his ground game. And he was he was happy enough to to take Jackaray down. And Jackaray didn't really have have much success trying to throw up any submissions at all uh, off his back. So uh, it was uh, yeah, it was pretty dominant. Like it was. Uh, I thought if he was going to win, he he squeaked. I thought Jackaray would win, but. I definitely didn't expect Hermanson to, to win so convincingly and uh, uh, to dominate uh, the grappling. Mm-hmm. And that was, I think that was kind of a key of it as well because, it, okay, if Hermanson had just hit Jackery and, and, you know, jabbed him up and far from the outside for the whole fight, I think we all would have said that was pretty impressive. But the fact that he did that and he grappled with him, I think a few people, Nobler and a couple of lads sent it in, like uh, questions about how impressive was it that Hermanson actually went to the ground. He went to the lion's den with Jackaray and he still beat him. Like, that's... That's beyond beyond. Like, that's unbelievable. Like, I, I did a, the, the Q&A last week and someone asked about Hermanson and what kind of a, a win would mean for him here. And what I kind of said then and what is true now as well is that it lifts him into the elite. It not only shows you how good of a fighter Jack Hermanson is, it shows you that all of his previous fights where he was knocking guys off easy, where he was looking great, are not all because of the competition. It's all because of how good Jack Hermanson has got. You know, we spoke about uh, McGregor last uh, last week when, you know, you were talking about him coming up and, you know, I, I remember talking to you back in the day before the Jose Alden, before all those fights and you were kind of saying, this is how good he is, you know. But we nobody knows. You didn't know. He didn't know. I didn't know until it goes in and you fight Jose Aldo and you knock him out you fight Chad Mendes you fight Eddie Alvarez and you do that you don't know and the same Jack Romanson is not in, in you know Jack Romanson was in the same position he'd beaten good guys and everything like that but until you raise into that elite you don't know and Jack Ray is that elite and what he produced last night was phenomenal He's up there now. He's he's ready to fight the likes of, of Stylebinder, the likes of Robert Whitaker, the likes of Chris Weidman, Luke Rockhold, whoever it might be. He, he is in that now. He might not beat them, but he's in that... Uh, what's the, what to be the phrase I'm looking for here? What would be the two-word phrase, Graham, that, that you like to say? Upper echelon. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's where he is. That's where Jack Romanson is. He is there. Do you think... I really do think he is there now. Do you? Yeah, well, like you know, if if you beat Jackaray convincingly like that on uh, uh, over five rounds, and uh, Jackaray's like been for a long time one of the upper echelon guys in the division, and been like very dangerous in, uh, on the ground, especially, but also on the feet. And Hermanson just dealt with him with, with relative ease. Like, and if you can do that to Jackaray, I think you you definitely deserve to fight one of the upper echelon guys, and you you, you are one of the upper echelon guys yourself. So, yeah, I I I, I didn't think Hermanson was as good. As he is mm-hmm. on the ground, like you know, you, when you when you 
when you're submitting these guys, as you mentioned, that like, you know, they're not really any great shake, as they say, but uh, but you can only beat what's in front of you, and he yeah. was beating them with ease, so he really got to display what what he's made of in this fight, and he was it was more impressive than uh, than I expected, like a lot more impressive, especially on the ground. I was I was very surprised at at Adam how easily he was able to to win the grappling exchanges and even nearly submit Jackery. Mm-hmm, 100%. Uh, let me just kind of run through what happened if anyone hasn't has, hasn't seen it and we kind of talk about how, how it did happen. So there was the, the knockdown from, uh, it's funny, my notes here, I have Jack and Jackery, which was a stupid thing to do, wasn't it? <laughs> I'm definitely going to mix them up with Jack. Okay, so uh, Jack Manson got the knockdown in, in round one, almost got the guillotine and, and certainly won that round. The second round, he caught a kick early, f- around four minutes of top control. Then in the third, he looked to be getting very, very tired and I'll talk about more about that in a second. Uh, Jack Ray stuffed the takedown in lots of body shots, and it looked like it was a, a kind of a good game plan from that point of view uh, from Jack Ray. But, uh, you know, as the third round in and the fourth round started, Jack Manson got his second wind. He came out, landed a lot of big shots, almost had Jack Ray finished at one set, ha- had him hurt, then got the got the, got the the clinch and uh, and won that round. In, in the fifth, Jack Ray was... Uh, was trying to land those big shots, but Jack Hermanson was was jabbing. Uh, he got a late takedown as well. But uh, look, you, you can give the third round to, to Jack Ray. I gave him the fifth as well, although it was very close. This round was either a four-one Hermanson or a three-two Hermanson, and I think all the judges had it that way. It was it was a pretty easy fight to score. I think apart from the fifth round, which didn't make any difference really. But for me, this fight was one. In, in obviously two realms, the you know like most fights are are but the, the grappling and uh, and the striking and the striking because we kind of talked about the grappling when you you know you talk about the grappling you get on top control against uh, against Jacare and he doesn't submit you that kind of speaks for itself you know you just need to watch that and look what he did and he kept his arms right in close to Jacare kept the body right up against Jacare and hit him when he needed to hit him and you know kept active and kept away from any submissions but standing up like Jacare Manson is the type of fighter that. We don't see that often, but I talk about every week on the podcast almost. It's like he's that guy who jabs and he circles. <laughs> and you know, when it's it might sound like something that's very, very simple. But thinking about it here this morning as we're preparing for this podcast, it's very rarely done. We almost never see someone do uh, you know, to fight like this. And I think a lot of that as well, as I mentioned, is is uh cardio like he looked to be tired in the third round here but he came out in the fourth and fifth and looked really really sharp again and uh, you know coming in on short notice the way he fights uh, being a middleweight you know i always say J- uh, jack romanson he's a, he's like a, a flyweight in a middleweight's body he fights that way and for him to come on and to, to fight like that and to have the cardio to go into the fourth and fifth against jackery on short notice absolutely phenomenal absolutely phenomenal and i think I think it, it helps him having fought that way for so long to be used to fighting that way. You know, uh, Ke- Kelly Roundtree fought last week and he, he fought in a very different sort of way. Not not too dissimilar to Jack Romanson, you know, a little bit different, but a lot of movement on the outside. And me watching that fight, I was like, this guy's going to get tired. And he didn't because there was a few knockdowns and stuff like that. But you often see lads when they do fight like that, they get tired. But Jack Romanson didn't seem to, he, no, he changed it up a, a little bit, he didn't fight as as uh, kind of loose-footed in the in the last couple of rounds, he was throwing over his hands and you relying on his jab a little bit more, but that's obviously to be expected. But for a guy that big, on that notice, to fight that way, I, it, was, it was really, really unbelievable. The, like, 
okay, you know, from Hermanson's side of you, what, what did you think? But from Jacare, do you think there's anything else Jacare could have done in that fight, or do you do you just think Hermanson was was always going to win the way he he came out and he approached it? Um, it's hard to know how serious Jacare took it. Like maybe I, I didn't like. I'm not saying that that's why Hermanson won, but maybe he, if it was for a title against a bigger name guy, maybe he would have taking it more seriously or maybe he would have had a better game plan or you know that kind of thing but no I think Hermanson deserved a victory and Jack Ray did try to mix it up did try different things but couldn't get anything going because of Hermanson's game mm-hmm. yeah and especially in the third like when you you know when you kind of see Jack Ray going for those big shots and maybe not setting them up as much well maybe more in the in the fifth in the in the third he was kind of doing it well and going to the body like going to he jack actually did the perfect thing you're supposed to do against the guy on on short notice who, who fights the way he does attack the body try to drain the gas tank from him but it just didn't work you know it was, it was weird it seemed to work for like four or five minutes or, or maybe a little bit less in in the third round but after that it didn't it didn't seem to work and, and uh jack Manson didn't fade because of it the, the body work didn't really have much of an effect on him and uh you know, it was it was it was really really good. Um, what what would you give it? Rate it one one through ten. The fight six and a half. That's a professional score. I'm giving it a six point one, and I give it that because I think it's a good fight. I don't think it's a very very good fight. I don't think it's a great fight, but I give it a six point one because of Jack Romanson and what he produced. I think what he produced was absolutely phenomenal. I don't think Jack Ray produced a great fight i don't think he did you know kind of what you were saying there as you know or i think he did what you he maybe maybe underestimated him a little better thinking you know thinking about the title shot instead of thinking about this fight when you know we spoke about it last week i don't think he had any business thinking about a title shot he hasn't won two fights in a row in like four years or something like that or three years and now it's again he's you know he lost this one won the one four lost the one before won the one four lost one that's no title uh um form in fairness and i i, I don't know Maybe that got a little bit to his head. Maybe him, he was spending too much time thinking about talking to Dana White about title shots and, and it got away from him and, and it kind of seeped into the fight. But it's that only matters if your opponent comes out and produces something like Jack Hermanson did today. If Jack Hermanson had gone and gone for a slappy takedown and landed on the bottom and Jack Ray got on top of him, it would have been night-night and we wouldn't be talking shite like this. So, you know, Jack Hermanson produced it. That's why I kind of give it a, a 6.1. I think it's... I think it's a a good fight, a, 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 a good fight. But um, what do you think is next for for Manson? Obviously, you know Adesanya is going to be fighting Whitaker coming up here pretty soon. You know Chris Weidman is kind of knocking around there. Gaslam just uh, just lost to uh, to uh, Israel Adesanya as well. Any of them would would stick out as as a, a good fight for Jack Manson? Um. Yeah, I like the Gaslam fight. Um, I don't think there's any need to rush Hermanson into into title contention. But like, if he can come off beating Jackery and Gaslam in a row, then I I think he would have earned at least a a contender fight or a title fight. Then so that makes sense. But uh, yeah, you can put him in there against any any of the the top guys now. Like uh, and you wouldn't you you like you know he's probably. Uh, a year ago, he would have been a huge underdog. And now, now it would be a pick and fight. So, I think he's shown that he can contend with all of them. So, you can give many of them guys. I know Gatlin's coming off a loss and he's coming off a win, but Gatlin's, you know, been fighting for a title and stuff. So, yeah, it, it kind of makes sense in that way. It's tough to kind of it's, give him something lesser, isn't it? Because all that's really above him is. Uh, are, are above are around Jack Ray is Luke Rockhold uh, and he's gone to light heavyweight Yoel Romero you know Gaslam as we mentioned Wyden as we mentioned and then you're getting down towards the likes of Paula Costa Derek Brunson Brad Tavares <coughs> David Branch 
So yeah, I, I think I think he has to get one of those guys, one of those big names. Maybe Yoel Romero. I'd, I'd like to see how he'd fare against Yoel Romero. And if he did beat Yoel Romero, I think you couldn't deny him a title shot. <laughs> That'd be a, a pretty hard uh, road to to get to uh, a title shot. But uh, I think Jack Romanson's well able for it. I'm you know I'm looking forward to to seeing what he he produces over the next couple of fights. But um. Uh, Alright, let's move on. What did you think of this guy Greg Hardy fought? Dmitry Smolyakov. Th- is this guy like the biggest mm, He looked can? afraid. Yeah. yeah. He looked afraid to do anything. He's just backing away and just didn't want to be there or just <laughs> didn't want to get hurt basically it looked like. This is what I imagine I'd be like if I, <laughs> if I was Yeah, if I was like, what am I doing here? Like, like, how did this happen? Yeah. And Dana White kind of said they were that talking about, oh, he's been training. People talking about training since he was 11 or 15 or something and like what has he been doing? Yeah, let me just look at his record here. Who who has this dude beat? He got beat by by Sir Lasker, Luis Enrique, who is not a good fighter, and he beat he beat eight other dudes over in fucking Russia and Ukraine. Eight other dudes. And uh, Sergey Grebnichek. He never beat anyone with um a uh Wikipedia page. <laughs> so that's that's never a good sign. So yeah, uh, look. Greg Hardy didn't look good either, did he? He, he, you know, he took up two and a half minutes to beat a guy who was standing there waiting to be knocked out, and the second he took a punch, it was, it was. Oh, I'm not, I'm not saying he took a dive or anything, but like he was looking for, he was looking for a way out. Like he was like, I'm not winning this fight. Let's just end it as quickly as possible, and that's, that's what it happened. This was a disgraceful fight, wasn't it? This, this fight should never been on the UFC card. Ah, uh, come on! It was a great comrade event. What are you talking about? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> no, uh, it, it was. Yeah. Two guys like did Greg Hardy look good compared to that guy, but Greg Hardy isn't isn't a well-rounded martial artist either, and mm-hmm. shouldn't be in the co-main event. And it was it was a terrible fight. Um, Why is he in the co-main event? Fight, but it was uh, like you know if you watch it, it's, it's not like oh this is so terrible, but it's not. It's not high quality the fight, and it shouldn't be the common event. Why even is, if the, why is even he if because he's in right? former NFL, yeah, but but is he like, even no, that I don't think anybody like... really cares. Yeah, I don't like. I was saying this at the start that it's not worth even bringing him in because nobody. Nobody cares. Yeah, it's just, and you did say that, and I've seen another few other few people saying that as well. And like that makes me think the only reason he is in this position is because of all the controversy around him. And like that's fucking absolutely despicable by the UFC to put him into this position. I suppose it's it's not something that is uncommon these days with the UFC. If you look at you know the McGregor uh, uh, bus attack footage, if you look at the Habib stuff, and they said they're going to ban the lads for life, and then nothing happens. Or if you look at you know the three beasts in a soda. This thing, uh, I couldn't believe this last night with uh, George Masvidal. Well, I, I can believe it, but Masvidal and I'm I don't really care that much, but it's it's insane. Imagine like imagine we're watching you know Man United playing Chelsea today, and uh, Man United come out and win. And uh, Paul Pogba is uh, is backstage, and he sees um, Eden Hazard doing an interview. And Paul Pogba walks up, and Eden Hazard sees him coming, and Hazard walks over and punches him square in the face three times. Like, imagine what had happened to Hazard. Like, imagine what had happened to him. He get banned for fucking life. Or he get banned for like a year or something. He'd be fined, and Pogba would be, you know, he'd well, have documentaries only got, made. Only got nine months, nine months. for for kick, kicking the fans. Yeah, but still. But look at look at fucking George Westwell, he's releasing t-shirts with three pieces and a soda in them they had him there yesterday in like a captain's hat looking like fucking George R.R. R. Martin sitting in the front row, just, it's so what the fuck, it's the weirdest sport ever isn't it, how did this happen Like, it's just chaos MMA yeah. and this, 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 this kind of thing happens sometimes in MMA 
They do happen in MMA, but fuck it. Yeah, you always come back to that saying because it's so true. It is so true. It is so true. Your boy, uh, your boy Mike Perry proved you wrong in this fight as well. Came out here and looked like a looked like a pure fucking lurk. Gone out here three rounds over Alex Oliveira, totally outclassed him. Was was a better fighter. Landing landing big well, shots. Early on, early on, well, he was yeah, getting eased up a bit, but he adjusted and took over and showed a bit more. Maybe uh, restraint, striking IQ uh, yeah. than 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 in previous fights. <laughs> yeah. So fair play to him; he's evolved, and it's, it's, a, it's a big win for him. It was an important win for him, and he overcame a bit of adversity early. So uh, yeah, it was a uh, it was a good win. Oliveros, I don't know. I think he kind of was trying to. He used up too much energy trying to throw fancy stuff that he didn't really know how to throw. Yeah. Yeah, he did. He was like I, I called him Wonder Cowboy at one stage. He was standing in, like the Wonder Boy uh, stance and trying to throw those big flying back kicks and shit. And it's just like, why are you doing this? Why are you trying spinning elbows and stuff like? It's just they're not going to work. And I thought Mike Perry did like the opposite. Then he threw what he needed to throw, and he didn't throw in great volume or with great power all the time, like he usually does. And then wears himself out. And by the time you know around and a half gets in, he's he's fucked and he can't throw big shots anymore. But this time he was more restrained. He was taking his time. He was doing what he needed to do and I thought it was a really intelligent great performance for Mike Perry so fair play to him that's what you want to see from a fighter like that's what uh, the evolution you want to see and I, I think there was definitely a bit of evolution there for Mike Perry last night and you know uh, we were talking about it last week and you know you kind of said and I, I kind of said as well didn't see what a lot of people see about him but I think what, what we do see about Mike Perry is He's, he's a good athlete, you know, he's kind of, I mentioned Eden Hazard there, he's like the, the Eden Hazard type body, you know, he's low squat to the ground, low center of gravity, can hit big shots from from, from kind of big, uh, you know, big hooks in, you know, when he needs to hit him, a good, good athlete and stuff like that, so... You know, when there's someone like that, I think there's always hope from Mike Perry. He seems to be uh, seems to be improving. And another guy, we, we'll, we'll skip down one fight here. John Lineker against Corey Sandhagen. And Lineker, another guy who was throwing big shots. A lot of people kind of complaining about this decision. I thought it was, I thought it was, a, you know, a very close one, to be honest. Lineker looked great in, in the first round, just throwing big hooks. Sandhagen started his jab in the second. He was moving like Dominic Cruz, as I mentioned uh, on the commentary. Um, Lineker started attacking more in the third, but Corey... Uh, I had him on the end of his jab for for most of that round. I I maybe just thought Lineker uh, won it. I'd have to rewatch it again, but close fight wasn't it? Was a good fight. Corey Sandhagen, whatever you know, you're you're taking the fight is this guy looks like a legit contender here, doesn't he? He looks like a really really good fighter. Yeah, and he took some serious body shots. Kept going. Yeah, they mentioned it on the the commentary. Actually, the commentary. I thought Tom Cruise was kind of off. Yeah, he was I th- kept. Saying it was super awesome every game, and I wasn't giving a mandate to make everything sound exciting or something. But yeah, I don't know. He was making making some weird comments and talking about how great every fight was, even when maybe it wasn't that great. Mm-hmm. It was strange. Yeah, it feels like Cruz in in this one. He was he was by himself, and maybe it's different that he's usually in a three man boot these days. Maybe it's different, and there's a big adjustment. You have to talk more, and you have to you know kind of maybe talk a little bit more, more shit when you're in that position. But I kind of noticed that too. Yeah, Cruz, I don't think has been as as excellent recently just in a three-man boot even, as, as he was before, I think th- the chat has kind of got him, you know, he's not saying the underhook stuff as much anymore, and the, the read stuff anymore, and I was like, that's why I love Dominic Cruz, you shouldn't listen to that fucking 10% of dopes who, who don't like analysis, or who don't like a guy who's doing the actual job he should be doing in that position, they like Daniel Cormier roaring, or Joe Rogan laughing and stuff like that, like, come on, lads. Oh, come on. I, I, that really annoyed me. And they shouldn't adjust Dominic Cruz to, to fucking pander to the idiots. Like, I, I, I really, really hate that shit. And I think they have done that. And, 
You know, it's unfortunate, and I hope we don't lose Dominic Cruz as as the great commentator. But over the last few events, he hasn't he hasn't been great. But look, hopefully, he'll come back. But Sandhagen, as I mentioned, looks looks very good. John Lineker looked good as well in this fight. I thought John Lineker might have just taken it, but uh, it, you know, it's it's one that you you can't really complain about too much. I don't think Glover Teixeira against Ian Kutalaba. We told everyone, Graham, didn't we? We told them all last week. Bet on Glover Teixeira. He's going to win. And what did he do? He went out and won. Yeah, he got rocked hard early, but uh, he's a tough nut. Like you know, you, you you're gonna have to put him down properly if you're gonna if you're gonna finish him. But Kudalaba is, is obviously very powerful and dangerous early, and throws with bad intent. But Glover did well to to weather the storm, and his wrestling wasn't really working early early, but he kept at it. Um, he's just he's he seems to always be like a an underdog in these kind of fights, and mm-hmm. I don't know why. Um, like it's only when he fights the the top guys that he that he has a lot of trouble. Really, uh, okay, it wasn't all smooth sailing here, but he, like he finished him and uh, came came back from behind and just he's just kind of more well rounded uh, than maybe he gets credit for. Uh, his his punches are, are I think noticeably slower than than they were a few years ago, yeah. but he's 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 got more to his game than that. He can mix it up and he, he's, he's obviously very tough as well. So I don't know why he's always kind of underrated. Yeah. Maybe he's just one of those that you kind of forget about him every time you fight. And it's the kind of the fact I kind of remind myself every time he's fighting that he's great or he's a very, very good fighter is maybe why we talk about it more. You know, sometimes we don't do that with guys, even, you know, even like a Jacare, maybe by the next time he fights, we, we want to remind, reminded ourselves, what's the word? Remind? Is remind the word? We want to remind ourselves uh, of how good he is. And maybe just look at the Jacare Manson last think about maybe Jacare is kind of finished and then you come out and, you know, smash a guy handy enough. But um, Clover Teixeira is one of those guys that, you know, he, he was getting beaten in this fight, and Kutalaba looked way faster than him. You know, as you mentioned there, his, his punches didn't look as fast as maybe they did in, in previous years. But all it took was, okay, he came back into that fight, and he landed some big shots as well as Kutalaba kind of got tired. And this is, you know, what I, I talk about with, with Jack Romanson, uh, that it's, it's, it's not every day that you see someone with that such good cardio that can keep going the way he did. And Kutalaba couldn't do that. You know, he, he, when it came to the second round, he started getting tired. He wasn't throwing as many big shots. He he couldn't throw him with the gusto. He threw him in, in round one. And Glover Teixeira kind of, you know, he sensed that and he came and landed a few big shots. And he could have finished him on the feet uh, a couple of times before he, the, the finish actually came. But Kutalaba has a, a, you know, a very, very good chin. But it was all because Kutalaba kind of fell. He, he fell over and Glover Teixeira just just pounced down, just laid down on top of him, and that was it, that was the job done, Glover Teixeira passed the guard, went in, took the mount, um, Kutalaba gave up his back, and he got the, the rear naked choke, fantastic, fantastic finish from Glover Teixeira, and he's one of, the, I always kind of one of the most underrated wrestlers in the UFC, I think he's the most underrated wrestler in the UFC, but I think he might be one of the most underrated grapplers as well, the way he just walked through yeah. Kutalaba there. Really yeah, he passed really passed with ease to side control, uh, and then to mount straight away after side control, and you kind of knew it was over once he was there. Kutalaba was tired and just kind of turned over with a, with a couple of punches, and the tap came pretty quick. Um, Glover, when he gets that position, can can be very can be very uh, deadly, quick, mm-hmm. quick and deadly. Yeah, and he, he's no messing about. Like so, uh, I think Kutalaba kind of 
knew it was over before before the choke was even in. Mm-hmm. And there was a few more rear naked chokes. It was a night of rear naked chokes. Jack Shore got one over in the <laughs> Warriors, which we'll talk about in a second. Gilbert Burns uh, and Jim Miller both got uh, rear naked chokes as well. Uh, ben Saunders did what Ben Saunders does. He came out. <laughs> he, start, he started. A lot of people were giving out to me. I never realized Ben Saunders was like a fan favorite until last night. I, I tweeted before the fight. He's gone. No, it's out. because of Eddie Bravo and Joe Rogan, I think, though, because he wasn't really before. And then, you know, they talk him. Eddie Bravo be talking him up a lot. and I think maybe that's where it comes from. I think a lot of uh, similar with Tony Ferguson, but obviously he talks about Tony Ferguson more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and look, he was he, he actually looked better in this fight for a longer period than he normally does. It normally only lasts like 45 seconds, but this time it landed, lasted like five minutes and uh, Takashi Sato came out and, and he got the, the finish with a big elbow and stuff later. Uh, Gustav Sky won a decision against Andrew Arlovsky. I thought Arlovsky won it, but it was it was a, a typical yeah. Andrew Arlovsky fight. 21 rounds now without a finish. Andrew Arlovsky has gone <laughs> seven... Uh, wins since he got beat by ni- in 92 seconds by Francis Ngannou. So these things happen. Uh, and, uh, your girl Angela Hill as well came out here and got a unanimous three-round decision against uh, Jody Escobar. And your boy Diego Lima got a win there as well, as well as Carla Esparza, who looked uh, who looked, uh, looked uh, very good in that fight as well. So very well, good, good all Jim round. Miller. Jim Miller, yeah. Got, got to the RNC. What do you think of that? Yeah, it was it's a it was a very Jim Miller way to win, but uh, you know if, if I think Jim Miller is not the same, and if if like yeah, I don't know like, who you can really give him of, of who's good that that he won't get destroyed by, but I suppose it just kind of he can be a gatekeeper and kind of show that maybe Jason Gonzalez isn't ready for the for the UFC, but. Uh, uh, Jim Miller's been in a lot of starting fights over the years, and uh, he's a guy they probably keep around longer because of that. Mm-hmm. 100%. Yeah, he's a guy everyone likes. I think he's like the the fourth most wins in UFC history now or something as well, which is uh, an insane kind of thing. A lot like, of like fight of the nights and yeah. submission of the night and stuff like that as well. Like good, like good exciting fights. 100%. Handy, handy lad to have around. But uh, another lad, you know, you talk about exciting fights. Jack Shore over in, over in Cage Warriors 104 uh, in Wales. He, I can't believe how good Jack Shore is. He is really good. He was fighting Scott Malone, who did, you know they mentioned on the broadcast is a two-time uh, gold medalist in the Commonwealth Games for judo. So you can just imagine how good you know if you get into a clinch with this guy, how good he's going to be. And he Jack Shore did get into a few clinches with him in the first round, and his takedown defense. It was he's like a cat the way he got, lands on his feet all the time. He got I think he got taken down once towards the end of the fight uh, or the end of the round. Sorry. And managed to get back up and stuff like that, but you know it was one of those kind of scrappy rounds with a with a lot of of clinch work. But it kind of it's a round that shows you if it gets into this position in a fight against you know a top opponent in the UFC or whatever, if Jack Shore moves on there, that he's well able to do it. He's like if you want to watch takedown defense, watch the first two or three minutes of this fight. Just absolutely phenomenal. He came out, he was landing behind his jab. Looked great. Got the fight to the ground in in the third round and got the the submission with the rear naked choke. Jack Shore, uh, he's ready for the UFC, but I'd love, I'd love to get it to see him get one more fight in the in Cage Warriors. Build him up a little bit, get a get a fight towards you know the, the middle of the summer or something like that. End of the year, maybe start the next year. Sign for the UFC. What do you think, Graham? What do you think of my plan? Yeah, I think I think he's ready, uh, but I don't think like he should be in any rush. Like yeah. uh, a lot of guys rush in there and maybe maybe it doesn't work out initially. Uh, some of them still come good. Some of them don't ever recover. So uh, I think he's probably ready, but I don't think there's there's any need to rush in there. What is he like? Twenty three, twenty four years old. I think they said. So he's he's got a lot of time in the game. But yeah, I think one 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 or two more, and then 
maybe there'll be like a, a London card or some kind of UK card they can they can sign him for mm-hmm. DFC. Yeah, hundred percent. I I think it's it's a matter of time. It's not uh, it's not if it's win with with Jack Shore. Just a phenomenal phenomenal talent. Can't wait to see him in in, in the UFC bantamweight division. Mason Jones as well got another good win. I think he moves to seven and zero now. Looked improved again from this fight. I was I was watching and I was kind of saying you know Mason Jones doesn't get going until he you know he starts kind of bleeding or gets for like five or six shots. But he got one or two shots at the start of this fight from Donovan Desme who fought pretty well as well. But he went on and used his jab, got behind it, was landing his his uh, <clears throat> his combinations and did did very very well. And your Mason Jones is definitely. You know, I don't think he's at Jack Shore's level yet, but you know, seven fights in, give him another five fights, and I think Mason Jones could be a, a top t- kind of prospect as well, and he could be the guy to maybe replace Jack Shore as the, the Cage Warriors draw in Wales. And uh, you know, it's a very, very good time for for Welsh MMA at the moment, and Cage Warriors leading the way with them <coughs> without a shadow of a doubt. Jamie Richardson as well got a, a win over Phil Wells. Uh, Corey McKenna got a win. Chris uh, Chris Edwards, Josh Reed, your boy as well from one of the most exciting fights ever. <coughs> Kevin Mackin got a win here on the, on the preliminary card as well. So a, a good night for. Uh, for Cage Warriors all around. So let's move on to Bellator uh, 220. Um, Rory McDonald versus John Fitch. Let me just go straight out of the gate here and say this fight was a 1.7. This this was not a good fight. This was two guys fighting. Wait, how, how did it earn 1.7? It was shit. Like it was just a terrible fight. It was, it was horrendous. Because, because did you get the one point seven for one close round, or what did you get one point seven for? I don't know. Like, what what, how did it earn so 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 it, it so got, much? It, so to the high score, it got a one. <laughs> it, it got a one point seven because John Fitch fought well, but the way John Fitch fights is just the most boring, shitty fight you can ever. Like I love when people take lads down and batter. Like I loved last night when uh, Jack Manson took uh, took Jack right down and he was hitting him with big shots and Jack Manson was going for triangles and stuff on the bottom or at least trying or looking for an arm and stuff like trying to set things up. I love that. I love the ground game. I'm not one of these people who you know who hates uh, hates when it gets to the ground and starts boom when it gets to the ground. I love the ground game. But John Fitch, his ground game is just terrible. He takes a guy down and he just, like, he blankets him. And he doesn't even land big strikes. He doesn't even go for submissions. He doesn't try to pass. It's just boring and shitty and what we don't want in MMA. Like, I saw a few people saying on last night, I thought we'd move past John Fitch. Like, it's, like, it's, it's terrible. It's terrible to watch. It's just off like it's anti MMA. It's it's anti MMA is supposed to be a fight. It's anti fighting. Like I think taking a guy to the ground and passing his guard and you know dominating on top is is brilliant fighting. Absolutely fantastic. I, I love Habib. I think he's a, a really really great fighter. Gregor Gillespie. I think he's a really really great fighter. I think he's phenomenal at it. You know Ken Velasquez back in the day when he push guys against the fence and taking down Daniel Cormier from top. Brilliant. Love him. But John Fitch is not that. He is not that. He is just, uh, you know, he'd be getting yellow cards all over the shop if he was in in Pride. You know, these these fights should be stood up more when he's doing nothing, when he's landing these little small shots to the to the ribs. It's really, like MMA in two thousand nineteen as well. Shouldn't be. He shouldn't. You know. Okay. Rory McDonald did almost nothing as well, which which is bad. But John Fitch really in in this scoring system probably shouldn't have got the win. Ugh, you know, I I was kind of scoring it the way maybe it you know it would be scored. But I think this is the the type of fight which makes you look at the scoring system which they have at the moment and which you know we've talked about a lot. I'd been Cartledge on at the start of the year talking about it as well. And you know we talk about the scoring system 
changing so that a takedown and near the end of the round isn't taking you a close round unless you do something with it or four minutes of top control is not winning you a round if you lose by you know 15 strikes in the last minute of it or whatever a takedown is only good if you put something with it if you have effective grappling if you move if you pass his guard if you get to the mount if you land big strikes if you land big elbows that's the only i suppose he's effectively holding him down like. yeah but that's, that's not effective grappling that's that's just stalling that's doing nothing. Well, you know it's like saying you've effective yeah. striking when all you're doing but he's is, won he's won a, he's won a lot of fights doing that so it must be it must be yeah, but i think it's changing i think the, i think judges have got better and stuff like that but this one i wouldn't give out to the judges or anything for this one it was just it was, it was it was nothing like the first round i think was was the close round uh fitch got two takedowns but rory landed a few shots and he landed probably the harder shots i gave it to fitch at the time watching it again i'd probably give it to rory but it's one of those those close uh close rounds the, the second round the takedown did a takedown each uh, did a head kick each but rory definitely landed harder won that round the third round fitch an early takedown cut uh, cut Rory with an elbow which was the one kind of big shot it was all he kind of landed the whole night and, and won that round because of it uh, in the four Rory landed some big shots landed a big elbow Fitch got hurt uh, he but Fitch didn't manage to get on top for a little while and he got a clinch and a bit of a takedown again late Rory went for the Kimura with uh, some, some ground and pound as well and uh, Fitch had two and a half minutes on top but 100% Rory won that round because of the big shots before and in the fifth uh, Fitch got the takedown Rory kind of tried for a triangle which you could argue was effective grappling uh, almost no ground and pound for, for that whole round can you give it for the kind of half arse attempt at a triangle maybe maybe because that's the most effective grappling or at least trying to fight in that in that round but i i don't think so i think you probably have to give that to, to fitch as well but you know it's a fight that a draw was almost a fair result because this was an anti-fight nobody deserved to win this fight it was just horrendous like did you hear rory mcdonald afterwards he came out and saying like uh, he doesn't really have the fire anymore or something fire. Like, like god is kind of God has taken him over and he doesn't feel like he wants to go in there and hurt the man. This is like the opposite to Rory McDonald of back in the day when he was absolutely bludgeoning the face off BJ Penn and it was, you know, people were calling him the Canadian psycho and stuff. It's like, you know, it's like a reborn Rory McDonald and I don't like it. I'm not gonna, <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. I'm <laughs> but what do you, like, okay, we talked about the fight. What, what did I give it? A 1.7, not a great fight. What do you think, uh, what do you think of like Rory McDonald, the fact he's been fighting for 14 years now and started when he was really young and yeah. the fire does I think five years is is more important than than years old like mm -hmm. you know if you only start when you're 25 like you could be 37 and be in the pro in your prime especially at like the heavier divisions but uh I think Rory's just taking a lot of damage as well and he's uh he never like he kind of was expected to get that UC title from the start like mm -hmm. you know he was kind of everybody was like assuming that was going to happen once George St. Pierre stepped away or or whatever or change weight classes and it never happened and maybe he just he's just fed up with the whole thing in a way and just he's been in the in the game his whole his whole like adult life and he just doesn't have the same passion for it and it's hard to recapture that and uh Especially when you're you're just in Bellator fighting John Fitch. Yeah, and I, I also I don't <laughs> I don't know how Rory McDonald has moved forward in this um, in this uh, bracket. He drew, and now he's moving into the next round. Like what? How does that make any sense? Is this like did he win on a way goal? Because he's a something? champ. He's because he's a champ. He retained his belt. Is it? 
Yeah, but he retained his belt. But in the tournament, he's this is a welterweight tournament, right? So he's gone on to fe- yeah. face Neiman Gracie. How does he move forward in that bracket? He didn't win. It was a draw. They should have had a six. They should have had a six threat. They should. What they should do? Because Rory McDonald. Maybe is, did he did he, in the majority draw? He had the one scorecard though, did he? No, he didn't. John Fitch had it. Oh, he didn't. Yeah. What, That's they, strange. Sh- what they should do? Rory <laughs> McDonald says he didn't really want to fight. Put John Fitch in that fight against Neiman, Neiman Gracie. Let's see Neiman Gracie versus John Fitch. Let Rory McDonald sit out, and Rory McDonald can fight the winner of the. This whole uh, this whole tournament. Let's let's make that happen. I'd rather see that. But you know, it's interesting times ahead for uh, for Rory McDonald. Let's, let's see what happens. Alima uh, McFarland then retained her title. Got a big big elbow on Doctor Stoppage at on in the third round. I haven't seen that whole fight yet, so I'll go back and watch it before the the Q and A and talk about it over there. Patreon.com forward slash severe podcast. But Alima is is someone who's seems to be a big star. It's unfortunate that she got caught caught up with the uh, at the exact same time as Jack Manson versus uh, Jacare last night, and it was you know it was a pain in the ass. I really wanted to watch it. And by the time it was like seven a.m. before the Rory McDonald fight was finished, I was just falling asleep and dying on the couch. And John Fitch made it actually worse for me. But uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, look, uh, another good win there for her. Vincent uh, Henderson versus Adam Piccolotti. Very good fight. You know, you might wake up this morning and see Vincent Henderson in in a split decision and think, ah, oh, another boring shitty fight. But it was really really fun. There was lots of some mission attempts big shots as well very very good ground fight it was that was fun loves as well. a good loves a good split decision loves a good, I think the only logical next step after this fight is a Frank Yeager title shot I think it's the only way you know Vincent Henderson won by split decision what can we do next Frank Yeager that actually happened twice Vincent Henderson beat Frank Yeager by split decision twice you love Frank Yeager and Frank Yeager got a title <laughs> shot from both of them that, that actually happened like oh, imagine how crazy that is and people say, oh, Frank, do you remember people used to actually say Frank Yeager doesn't get enough shots or something? That was actually a thing that people yeah. used to say. What the fuck is wrong with people? Like, Jesus Christ. And people, people like, ignore that kind of thing when they're saying, oh, this other guy shouldn't be, doesn't deserve a title shot. They ignore, like, some guy they like having undeserved title shots. Yeah. But, uh, you know, he's a name, Frank Yeager. People like him. He's, he's, they can relate to him. He's, he's a, He's a likable guy, so he, he just he's just a known quantity that you can slip into into a main event and people will know who he is and maybe sure. people don't follow the records that closely. Fans just saw a Frank Yeager fight, you know. Mm-hmm. So it makes sense. Hundred percent. Uh and then uh, your boy Phil Davis as well got a win over Liam McGeary. A bit of an injury there for Liam McGeary late. Yeah, he, he tapped. Jaw, yeah. Jaw injury apparently. So it was it was a pretty dominant win for Phil Davis anyway. It was a lot of the fight on the feet, not a great fight. I think he got a takedown in the second, I believe it was. But yeah, look, Phil Davis was on his way to winning anyway, so it was, uh, you know, their second fight, and pretty much, uh, pretty much like their their, their first fight. Uh, next week, then, and we, then there was a bunch of other fights. There was lots of other fights, <laughs> which I'm not going to speak about, and there was post limbs and prelims and stuff. Bellator next week, um, Wexford's own Brian Moore is back against Bin San Lee. We have Bryn Primus, Tim Wilde in the main event. We have Pedro Carvalho versus Derek Campos. We have Fabian Edwards, your boy, against Falco Neto. We have Raymond Daniels fighting here. We have Saul Rogers, Aiden Lee. We have Jails Murnhern, Lee Chadwick. We have Jim Wallhead here. We have Dominic Wooding back. We have Kane Musa fighting on this card. Yannick Bahati is fighting on this card. Ooh, there's a lot, isn't there? This and uh, that Constantine uh, is that Constantine the guy that fights in in SBG fighting there as well? Opening up this card, or is that someone else? Um, I'm not sure. Gunsariev. What's it, what's the name? Constantine Gonsariev, I believe. Hold on, mm, let me, I'm not sure. Let me look it up. Hold on one second here. But anyway, what do you think uh, of the the rest of the card? Anyway, Brian Moore coming back fighting. Obviously yeah, good. it's uh. I, I always enjoy a Brian Moore fight and rarely boring. Uh, I like Brian Moore as, as a guy as well. He's 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 always kind of honest with with 
when he when he speaks to us or speaks to any media, he just kind of says what he thinks, which which is good. Like you know, uh, people can people can try and be discarded that they're not, and people will see through it straight away. You just got to be who 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 you are, and maybe Brian's just a bit in the past he's been a bit overcritical of himself, but I think I think now he's got more confidence in his game since he's since he went full time as a as a fighter he's obviously uh improved and getting paid properly in bellator is obviously uh <laughs> it makes uh, maybe it makes the training easier when you, when you know you're you're actually going to get properly paid and it's actually a it's 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 not just a, a pipe dream anymore so i think i think Brian Moore i think i think like you don't really know much about this this other guy but i i think Brian Moore is, is a dangerous dangerous fighter everywhere and i think I think he showed that against AJ AJ McKee mm-hmm. uh, that he that he's like you know he came in there with a couple of injuries and he, he like AJ McKee is a very very good like he's one of the best prospects if not the best prospect in in Bellator for for the last couple of years so uh, I think he proved himself in that fight I think he can take a lot of even though he lost that fight he can take a lot of a lot of things in that fight and improve on them. Uh, so I think I think Brian Moore is the kind of guy that that is critical of himself and. Uh, goes back and tries to fix things. So I think that, like you know, he's been in the game a long time, and guys can kind of stagnate. But I don't think he's gonna. I think he. I think he's shown improvements fight to fight. So yeah, I think, I think Brian Moore will probably win this, but it's hard to know when you don't really know much about the other guy. Yeah, I watch a bit of his fights, and uh, I might have Brian Moore on, on the podcast during the week. So hopefully, uh, hopefully. Oh, there's a dog in the background. Hello there. Uh, I watched uh, a few uh, Bin San Lee fights. He fought at 125 pounds in his last fight, so Brian Moore's gone down to 135 pounds from 145 pounds. Uh, uh, to me, he's a very kind of defensive fighter. He looks for the big shot, uh, or he looks for the big takedown from kind of far out. Uh, I think Brian Moore, he's a lot better fighter than him, but. You you just don't know when you know it's a hundred twenty five or find a hundred you know forty five pounder in in their last two fights, the the speed advantage how he'll deal with that you know we looked at James Gallagher when he came down to one hundred thirty five pounds and he he struggled a little bit I think with the speed initially and just with the weight cut and stuff let's let's see how it goes you know Brian Moore is is maybe the most you know the the most dedicated fighter to his to his um you know his his weight and his nutrition and stuff like that you see him if anyone follows him on, on instagram or anything like that it's it's all day every day you know his whole life is his training and and running his john gym and and you know doing this sort of stuff for other people as well and as well as obviously his family and stuff like that but uh yeah you know i'll probably get him on the podcast during the week anyway and speak to him more about it but um other than that, Bryn Primus tim wilde it's it's one of these unusual fights that we're maybe gonna get um Tim Wilde is a very good fighter, isn't he? But you you think Bryn Primus, if he can get the, the takedowns here, he might have enough. What do you think? And Fabian Edwards as well. Falcon, how excited are you for that? Yeah, yeah I've always been a big fan of Fabian Edwards, as you know. <laughs> I think we've uh, we've, we've talked about it a lot on the says, podcast. Yes, yes. Yeah, we've, we've we've that's been well established yeah. over. Uh, Every time he yeah, fights yeah. or has a fight announced or anything to do with him, he, he takes so a shit, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> my boy as you always say but um yeah uh looking at the record of, of the guys fighting you'd expect Fabian Edwards to, to win here uh he it'd be I think it'd be he's so good that I'm such a good prospect and uh, that if he doesn't win impressively or finish in some kind of way you'd probably be disappointed that's kind of how good a prospect he is yeah, you, you kind of expect him to go out there and do something, something brilliant every time. Every time he fights, uh, yeah, definitely agree. With you. Uh, look, it's it's a tough situation as well because if he doesn't go out there and, and uh, you know do 
uh, brilliantly. <laughs> we're we're kind of thinking like, oh, what's happened to Fabian Edwards? But it, you know, he pro he probably will again here, and uh, you know, I'm I'm really looking forward to it. You know, I actually won't see it because I'm away next week. Oh yeah, I forgot to mention it at the start of the podcast. I'm gonna be away next week. We're gonna have loads of podcasts. We're gonna have the State of the UFC, which will be out Saturday. So we'll not Sunday podcast, but be out Saturday instead, and then we'll have a podcast maybe Tuesday. Uh, this kind of podcast, maybe like a half an hour or so, recounting the events of the weekend and stuff like that. So instead of one podcast next week, you're going to have two podcasts. You're going to have a shitload of stuff on Patreon. That's going to be in two uh, episodes of the rewatch instead of one this week uh, over on yeah. Patreon. So sign up Patreon.com for I just wanted. Yeah, you're the guy Constantine uh, is, is actually him, yeah. Costi. I just looked looked at, looked at his picture there because everybody just calls him Costi, and I didn't know that was actually his name. I just looked at his picture, and it's it's Costi. Yeah, he's tra- he was training with uh, McGregor for the the Habib camp, mm-hmm. and uh, you've obviously seen a bit of him. What do you think of him? He's good, is he? Yeah, he's he's a very good wrestler, and he, he's he's real hard nosed. You know, he's you know if he gets a cut or something, he just tapes up his head with mask and tape, and on he goes. Like you know, he's nice. he's old school in that way. <laughs> he's he, all these Moldovan kind of types are are very hard. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, right, let's move on to. And he's a very good wrestler. Very good wrestler. Very good wrestler. As good as like AJ Styles or Daniel Bryan, one of them or. No, okay. Yeah, he's uh, he's yeah, more of an I don't know. I don't know. I was gonna say some wrestler, but I couldn't think of any. Habib? <laughs> no, I was thinking of uh, pro wrestlers. A pro wrestler, I don't know. Ra- Macho man Randy Zavid. Alright, let's move on to the UFC card here before we spend like eight hours on the podcast. Alaya Quinta versus Donald Cerrone. I was thinking about this last night and I just think Alaya Quinta's gonna murk him pretty easily. What do you think? Yeah, I definitely be picking Alaya Quinta, but if Cerrone can get into a rhythm, he, he's dangerous, but I I'd say Alaya Quinta will probably uh will probably dominate early and when Tony doesn't doesn't get going early, it's it's always a long night for him. So uh, I wouldn't be all that surprised if if Cerrone was able to land something. But uh, I'd definitely be picking Ike Winter. Yeah, I agree as well. You know, we always talk about our Cerrone. It's it's boxing. Is, it seems to be his. Uh his weak point if someone can box well against him he seems to struggle and i think ayaquinta can do that you know he's just a very good fighter all around ayaquinta but it depends what ayaquinta shows up as well if he's coming in with with bad knees and injured and not wanting to win he probably won't win but if he comes in and he you know he he fights the way he normally fights in fairness uh, i i think he should beat donald Cerrone. i think there's going to be kind of a lot of jabbing coming up from Iaquinta. Cerrone's going to throw all his big shots and Iaquinta's going to eat him and he's going to come, you know, with his leg kicks and stuff as well. I think the leg kick could be a big thing for Cerrone here. If he can land a lot of those leg kicks and get Iaquinta out of his game a little bit, maybe a few body kicks as well, I think that's that's a good chance for him. But this is a sort of fight I think it'll probably, you know, it'll probably be relatively close, three three rounds to two, four rounds to one or something like that. Uh, maybe a late finish for uh, for Iaquinta or, or, you know, a submission for Cerrone, you never know. I'm just given every possible outcome here. <laughs> every possible, yeah. I do think uh, Iaquinta will probably win a decision here and, you know, it'll probably be a good, uh, a good enough fight, but I think just outclass him a little bit. Um, Derek Brunson versus your boy Elias Teodoro. That's that's a tough fight. You, you know, Elias Teodoro is a guy who you look at a lot of these fights. And you think maybe Derek Brunson's a more well-rounded fighter than him, but Elias is is a tough grinder. He push you up against the fence. He'll take you down and he'll make it a nasty night for you. So that's you know, I don't think that'll be a brilliant fight, but it'll be interesting. I I, I kind of feel Derek Brunson will get the the finish there. Though I think he he'll have enough to to stop Elias taking him down and land shots. But Elias is very defensive as well on the feet. You know he fights with that wide stance like Wonderboy, although he doesn't have the the kicks of Wonderboy. But you know let's let's see how that happens. Uh, Shane Burgos against 
against uh, Cub Swanson here. Cub Swanson coming back. Burgos, you know, if you if you look at his record, he's only lost to Calvin Cater and his his whole career. Who you know looks a, a good prospect as well. Beat Kurt Holliba in his last fight and beat uh, got Fredo Pepe and Charles Rosa as well. And you know, Cub Swanson, he you know he's obviously a grizzled veteran, I suppose, uh, at this stage. And you know, after his last couple of fights losing to Hanato Maikana, losing to Frankie Edgar, losing to Brian Edgar. It's a big, big fight for Cub here, isn't it? He really needs to, to get the win here. Yeah, it's yeah, it's important that he wins, but uh I don't I probably see him losing here to be honest. Uh yeah, looks I think good, he, I never I never really rated Ghost Swanson yeah, as highly as 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 everybody everybody else or a lot of other people seem to and I think it's the game's kinda of passing them by. Um uh, he is he is a veteran probably Maybe he could use his experience here to get a decision, but uh, I'd be expecting Burgos to win here. Yeah, yeah, me too. Uh, I, you know, it'll be a close one, but look, I, I think it'll actually be a very fun fight. So. Um, Ireland's own Brad Katona is fighting uh, Marab Divishvili in this uh, in, on this card as well. The main card, you know, obviously Brad Katona fighting out of out of SPG Ireland. Um, I think his girlfriend is actually fighting in Cork in two weeks' time as well. So that's uh, an interesting t- a month for for uh, the Katona. Surrounding family, so uh, yeah, that should be a good fight. Walt Harris is back here as well. Andrew Sanchez is fighting. Uh, Macy Tyson versus Samurai Rice won't be a bad fight. Eamon Zahabi, uh, obviously brother of, of Firaz, is fighting here as well. Nardine Taleb versus Sayar Bahar Zara, good fight that should be as well. Arjun Buller, you know what Arjun Buller will show up? Will he be the guy who looks like a good prospect, or will he be a guy that looks absolutely horrendous? We, we we'll see, I suppose. But um, yeah, an okay UFC card coming up here next week right graham let's get into a few questions here if i can find them on my phone right first of all from patreon sean dinny can you explain graham byland's accent he just has like a, a london slash cork accent Isn't that it? slash australia i think he lives in australia for a, a little bit as well so he's got a, a few accents mixed in there i think mm-hmm. yeah it's a weird um the second weirdest accent in MMA though, after um, Mick Maynard. Mick Maynard is the—he's like a Texas slash Australian accent. It's the weirdest accent. I love it, but it's really, really weird. But yeah, look, Dad, what a night for Graham Boylan as well. You know, Jack Shore wins on on Cage Warriors, and his boy uh, Jack Romanson, who he manages, wins on uh, on on the UFC as well. The main event against Jack. What a night for for Graham Boylan. So you know. Fair play to him, although should he be managing lads and, and <laughs> promoting the company as well? I don't know about that, we've talked about that before, but sure, look, these things do happen in MMA. Um, Begor Nicholson, as a Nordic MMA fan, I love the success of Jack Romanson, but how do you see him against the wrestler? wrestler? Would you pick him to beat Weidman? What, what do you think, Graham? Like, against the um, wrestler? Weidman's like falling off a cliff, so it's yeah. like it's hard to know with, with Weidman. Like, Romanson could just go in there, hit him with a punch, and he could be all over the place. Um, it's probably come to the stage where I'd probably probably slightly favor Hermanson over over Wyman. I just don't I just don't think Wyman he's taken so much damage and I just don't think is he has the same drive anymore. With that guillotine as well. If there's someone if, yeah. if someone goes for a takedown against him, they're not gonna be wanting to go for many takedowns against a lad with a guillotine like that. He almost summoned a jackra like he almost summoned a jackra. Yeah. So, like with an arm in guillotine, like it's a hard guillotine to finish and he's he's very good at them. When you're very good at something like that, you can prepare when some your opponent's very good at something like that, you can prepare a lot, but they if somebody's just brilliant at it, it's very hard to stop. Mm-hmm. Uh, Arsenal after going one nil down, they're down to ten men as well. So top four is back on for Man United. Yes, go on, all <laughs> all is at the wheel. If, if we beat, if we beat Chelsea four nil today, and I've it all planned out. If we beat Chelsea four nil today, we're going to move into the top four on goal difference. And then we've only Huddersfield and Cardiff left to play, I think, or something like that. 
It's on. It's on. We need to win 4 0. Even if we don't win 4 0 today, we could beat Huddersfield, beat Cardiff, beat them out the gate. It's on. All is at the wheel. Uh, okay. Mark Atwell, where did Jack Ray go wrong? Uh, did he have his eyes in the bigger prize uh, and he hadn't done his homework? I think it was a bit of that, but I just think most of it was Jack Romanson and how good he is. You know, Jack Romanson's a very, very, very good fight. And, uh, you know, a very good fighter even, and I think that's that's the most of it. Um, do you find any redeeming qualities in Hardy's effort in the co-main? I still can't believe he's in the co-main headler or any, any fight. Do you, do you, did you find anything positive yeah. for him, Graham? Uh, at least it didn't go on too long because if it went on any longer it would have been even worse <laughs> That's, that is the one positive of it that is the one positive of it uh, Sean Dinney how important in your, is your career development fighting on enemy soil Blaine O'Driscoll did it recently Joe McColgan Paul Hughes Keith McCabe will do it soon yeah, I think it's pretty important. Yeah, uh, Joe McColgan, did you hear about that? And Paul Hughes are both fighting over in Italy in the next yeah. two weeks. So, yeah, look, it's it can go either right or wrong. I remember uh, Phil Peter had a fight out in Portugal, I think, where he, he won and he kind of got robbed out there. And I think it happened to Peter Queeley once as well. So, you know, it's a good experience, I suppose, but... It can be a bit dodge, can be a bit dodge as well, but you know, I, I think if you're the likes of Joe McCall and Paul Hughes, you're probably going out there looking for the finish anyway, so it might make too much of a difference. But I think it's good to you know to travel and and to experience new things and new ways of of fighting, new ways of pre- preparing. You know, if you're going, you're fighting in you know Belfast or wherever every every three months and it's the same venue and everything that's that's not going to help you know you get to the ufc it could be a big culture shock or you go you know you you get a fight and you sign above and car along cork and it's a, you know a different environment that could put you off and you know it probably wouldn't but i think having that experience behind you uh is is, is definitely a good thing uh, as well um sean Denny, is andrew arlovsky the worst fighter for ignoring some of the skills he has he's a bjj brown belt and a samba expert yet his uh, game is based on boring boxing Hmm, I don't know. I, I think he's turned into a safe fighter. I think, yeah, I think maybe when he was getting those, some of, some of those belts, I'm not saying his belts, but some of those belts back in the day, uh, uh, years ago, like somebody's, uh, maybe like the game's kind of passed him by and he's not able to implement those, those techniques. You know, uh, I'm not sure how often he's training in, in uh, any, anything but striking from the look of his game for the last, what, 20 years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, Sean Dini, where does Hermansen's win rank in Nordish, Nor, Nor, Norwegian, Norwin? I don't know, sporting history, Nor, how, Norwegian, Nor, Nor, it's not, Norwegian, I think he says, I thought he was going to say like, uh, this Scandinavian, it's kind of, I always, there's one of them countries Nordic. that's not in Scandinavia, Nordic and Scandinavia. Denmark won, uh, won the Euros there one year, didn't they, so they'll probably be behind that I suppose, uh, Zlatan, yeah, here's Michael. Why is Casper Smith? Oh, Casper Michael is playing for Denmark. I was like, oh, why is he playing for England? He is. But yeah, there you go. Uh, one or two here from uh, from Twitter, and then we will leave. A few people, Mr. Podge, go to a great friend of the podcast, ask, what, what happened to Rory McDonald? And I think Sean Ninney as well asked, did, did Robbie Lawler just take Rory McDonald's soul? Do, do you think like that, that that happened? Yeah, well, I think it's hard to recover from that fight like that, especially when your nose is like fragile afterwards. You, it's always on your mind, probably as well. Like not to, like you, you never would have thought about it before, but now you're kind of sensitive about getting hit there. Well, I know I would be, but <laughs> like these fighters are a bit crazy, so it's hard to know. But we kind of talked about it earlier. He's been in the game a long time. Maybe he still doesn't have the same motivation as he as he had when he thought he was going to be this when he was kind of the uncrowned champion in everybody's eyes. One hundred percent. Keith O'Galvine from the Kunte Claire, um, the, uh, the second best hurling team in Ireland by number. Uh, who would be the most satisfying fighter to beat Greg Hardy? I don't, I don't know. Great, uh, Derek Lewis, maybe? Oh, 
I don't really care. I don't either. But, but yeah. he's, he's he's in annoyance, really. And I, look, I, I I understand why people care, and I, I I think they're right to care. But I like it's not that I don't care about what he did or what he's accused of, and uh, like I don't care about like his him in the UFC. It's just like he's an average fighter. He's fighting in in the, the main event. Like I just rather he wasn't there. Like you know, it's it's just a, a kind of a pain that this like all it's doing is bringing up you know these talking points and domestic violence and associating it with the sport and like it's it's like i don't care for him i don't i don't care for this situation i just don't want this in the you know this this happens all the time and it's there's no benefit from it like there's absolutely no benefit. i i, I just it's just a pain in the hole. Uh, Nobler, did Sean think the Vin Saunders finish was literally... This, this Nobler prick, every time there's like a clear knockout or someone's dead, he's like, oh, Sean think it was early <laughs> because uh, the Tijanelli Shaban was early. But look, duh, these things do happen in MMA anyway. Well, Thomas Laney, good man here. He always sends in great questions. Uh, one here, how good is Dominic Cruz in a two-man boot? You touched on him and Rogan last week in a three-man. He seemed more relaxed in control. Yeah, I don't know. No, we, we thought it was kind of the opposite. But... It, <laughs> I remember him in the three member with Rogan at the start. Remember he we used to talk about it where he was kind of slagging Rogan and and um, you know <laughs> given calling Rogan out in the bullshit that that he used to you know that he used to talk. He doesn't really do that anymore. And I think I think that's maybe the negative. I think Dominic Cruz needs to get back to kind of what made him great. You know, make Dominic Cruz great again. And uh, you know, I, I think he could be good, but I don't know. All right, anyway, that's it. That's the podcast over, Graham. Looking forward to Game of Thrones tonight. Who do you think is going to die? Um, everybody. Everybody. Yeah, tonight is tonight. I know you don't watch Game of Thrones, but tonight is going to be the longest battle sequence ever put on camera. Longer than spoiler. any film. Spoiler. No, it's not a spoiler. That's it's the Battle of Winterfell. It was all. Oh well, maybe a spoiler. But yeah, I reckon uh, Brienne is going to die. I reckon Tion is going to die. I reckon dragons are going to die. Blah blah blah. I reckon blah, lots blah. of people are going to die. All right, Man United are going to win the league. It's all great. It's brilliant. Man United lost to to Man City. Actually, we didn't even talk about it. What do you think of that? What do you think of Man United's effort against um, Man City? Yeah, they were shy as expected. David yeah. <laughs> they were shy again. Yeah, actually, Man City were fairly shy as well. I couldn't believe how shy they were in the first half. It's like Man United look a little bit, oh, well, not better than them, but it was an even game for like 50 minutes I was like what What? what are... yeah. Jesse Lingard missing that chance what a baller Jesse Lingard is shite He's just, they should just release him like, and Lukaku as well they should just release Lukaku I hate Lukaku like, I hate him with a pat he's rubbish Like Jesse Lingard rubbish there's so many rubbish players Man United are rubbish sack Ole bring in Pochettino Get, bring him in Deli Alley with him Victor Wanyama my boy Deli Rose all at him there you go my voice is gone I'm, I have a Chinese hangover because I ate, like, all-you-can-eat Chinese yesterday. I'm going to die. Graham, I'll see you next week. In two weeks, actually, we won't be back next week. I'll always I'll be seeing Graham, like, tomorrow to record that podcast. But anyway, all we have left to do is give the inspirational quote of the week. Being happy doesn't mean that everything is perfect. It means that you've decided to look beyond the imperfections. We'll see you next Tuesday. Oh, no, we actually won't. We'll see you in, like, two weeks. Good luck. <laughs> <laughs>